It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Welcome back. Another edition of Make the Dough Rise on the way. Walter Storholt here with Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond, based out of Greensboro, Georgia. We're online at livingworth.com. And uh, Brian, we uh, personally have made it out of the podcasting Bermuda Triangle. Our three part mm-hmm. series is in the books. We turn the page today. As an economy and a country, we, we're not quite sure we've made it out of the Bermuda Triangle of retirement just yet, but uh, it, at least our ship has made it through the rough seas, and uh, we're ready for another episode today. How are you? Uh, doing great, yeah. So hopefully, the uh, we've made it through the Bermuda Triangle, but now we're you know, going to live through it for the next probably year and a half. And if you're curious about what's going on, those are definitely good ones to go back and, and listen to. But uh, we're moving on, and I think we've tackled all the big issues around that one. Yep, exactly. If you uh, want to learn more about the impact of interest rates and uh, the possibility of a recession and these three sort of legs of the stool that make up uh, this Bermuda Triangle of retirement and then inflation obviously being the other one, uh, go back and listen to the past three episodes of the show, episodes 67, 68, and 69. But we hit a, uh, I guess it's somewhat of a milestone. It's at least it's a nice round number here on episode 70 of Make the Dough Rise. And We've got a bit of a Shakespearean theme on today's show. To roll or not to roll? That is the question, Brian. It's, it's a even big got question. Like, it's even got like a pizza theme to it, right? We're still even fitting in with the dough theme. Oh, yeah. Rolling yeah, it could be dough. like a calzone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we've got all sorts of great parallels going into today's show. Uh, what, what are we talking about here? IRA, 401k into an IRA. Is that the roll or not to roll? Yeah, this is the big question of what to do with your 401k plan from your employment years. And uh, interesting fact, the average baby boomer, uh, and and this would be true of Gen X and and others behind us because we're we're seeing more of it, uh, have had an average of six employers since they were in their mid-20s. So it's it's highly likely that that they're going to have maybe contributed at multiple plans. Maybe they got some employer matches along the way. And it's it's highly likely that they've got a collection of old 401ks laying out there. Or or maybe it's, you know, just if they've been at one or one or two employers and the bulk of it's in one place, the issue is still the same. You you've got this account that you had provided by your employer, you contributed, they contributed, your investment and you may may have been uh, fairly limited, but you've accumulated a good balance and now it's time to figure out what do I do with this to you know, maximize my retirement strategy, to get the best uh, performance, to get the best advice, to get the, you know, the right, right kind of stuff in the right place. And all of that factors into what you do with your 401k. But we've had uh, you know, a lot of developments regulatory wise uh, in, in really trying to protect investors and uh, individuals with, with these vital, I mean, the, the 401k has become a vital tool of retirement and the elimination of pensions, the the drawdown of in, in use of pensions and the shift to the 401k. While it was never really intended that the 401k would replace pensions, that's effectively what's happened because companies wanted to get out of the pension business. It was very expensive, it was very you know, cumbersome. It put a lot of li- liability onto the employer, and so when you know, presented with an option to 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 migrate and satisfy people's need for a retirement vehicle, 
they were happy to get out of the pension space, but now all that burden has been placed on the individual investor. Just out of curiosity, how does that number strike you as the average boomer having six employers? Because I know like, you know, my generation and the millennials, we've been talked about having, you know, how we bounce around to so many different employers and there's not much loyalty in our generation and that kind of thing. I wonder what our number will look like when we start retiring in mass in the future. How does six for baby boomers sort of strike you? I mean, I guess over an entire working career, that's not that's not too many. If you think your first few years, you might bounce around a little bit and then s- stabilize for your final 20 or 30 years, maybe between one or two employers. Yeah. Well, and you're seeing a lot of uh, mergers, takeovers, acquisitions. And so a, a lot of people who thought they were going to be at one employer uh, have ended up at, at another or downsized. And a lot of people maybe stay in the same field. You know, for example, me, I, I was at Merrill Lynch for a while. And prior to that, I had been at a couple of different uh, colleges and universities working. Uh, so I've, I've had two colleges since graduation from college and uh, then Merrill, then you know, went to one other firm before landing at Main Street. So I've, I've had five uh, just just since uh, getting out of college. And I've, I've, it's really been two careers, but different schools, different financial services companies. And yeah, I've proven it's actually very easy to do that. Yeah, easy to uh, easy to bounce around. Also, though, you then typically find that place that you stick to for a while. You you feel like you're probably at your last stop now. I would imagine, right? I would think so. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my plan. So it's a good spot. Cool. So you, you might kind of land right in that uh, pretty much close to that average. Number. I got one more. I guess you got one more if you if yeah. you need it. Maybe <laughs> right at the end of your career, you can do one more there one more go. little switch. Your your post uh, retirement career, you'll. I don't know, go into gardening or something career. like that. Yeah, yeah, your encore career. We'll find something to make that six number happen. So this question of to roll over or not roll over, I mean, what is the, I mean, why? Why is the 401k not a great space to maybe keep those dollars? And why would you even enter, entertain the idea of wanting to move that somewhere else? Well, there's a lot of variables to this and a lot of, of issues. And there has been a, a dramatic rise in regulatory requirements on advisors. Uh, there's been abuses in the past. And so I, th- I think you want to be very clear that you're getting what you need. You're getting the best investment selection, the best uh, cost structure and, and the, the lowest possible fees, but also are you getting good advice and, and direction? And, and typically 401k providers don't give a tremendous amount of advice. And, and ironically, the legislation that has been passed that was designed to protect individual investors makes it much harder to actually give advice on on retirement plans so the the you, you've heard the word fiduciary and maybe uh, or fiduciary depending fiduciary on fiduciary you if you're in yeah. the south right <laughs> and and that's just saying that you have to take the best interest of the client first which uh, to me that's kind of a, a no brainer, but yeah, it's like, duh, <laughs> yeah, duh. But you would be shocked how many people are out there, uh, hawking annuities or non-traded REITs. And they want you to roll the whole thing over and, and put it into one, you know, structured investment vehicle that you may not understand very well, that has tremendous fees to it and expenses, complexity. And so that type of, of abuse or misguidance, I guess would, would be a, a kinder way to say it. 
Sure. Uh, it even serve... amazes me not to go down another r- rabbit hole, but just since you brought it up, like there's then even structures where people can be a fiduciary and have that responsibility, but depending on what they they're talking about to you, they can then take that hat off and then put oh, it back yeah, yeah, on yeah. when it suits yeah. them. You know what I mean? That's what's crazy about this is, and this is developing and evolving. Obviously, it, t- it took. Uh, ERISA, if you go way, way back, uh, the er- Employer uh, Retirement Income Security Act was created to protect pensions from company mismanagement, uh, speculation. And th- this really goes back to, uh, there was a car company, let's say this was maybe back in the uh, late 50s or early 60s, and th- they needed some capital to to get the company moving ahead. And so they went to their their unions and they said, hey, you know, we're, we're, we've got kind of got some issues here. We need some capital. We've got all this money in the uh, pension plan. How about we work out a deal where we'll take the pension money, put it back in the company. And when the company booms, we'll you know, replenish the, the pension accordingly and, and we'll all benefit from this. And everybody said, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. They went bankrupt. And so all of the money that they had pulled out of that pension plan was now gone. And you had a bit of a problem with with the employees now having their their pension destroyed. So after, after some misses like that, the federal government stepped in and passed ERISA, which is a legislation protecting, like I said, pensions, retirement plans. And ERISA applies to 401ks. And it does have some advantages to the individual in, in that you have certain asset protections and, and things like that if, if you were sued. And, and so you, d- you definitely want to uh, keep those protections, but that that's they came out of the mismanagement of pensions. And so a lot of the legislation you're seeing shaped today comes from the misadvising people on 401ks. Well, it'll, it'll get itself worked out, but right now we're in kind of an odd position because we, we'd literally, this is uh, relatively new. We've got one, two, three handouts. And I think it's like eight or nine pages of participant acknowledgments regarding unsolicited distribution decisions. So again, this is the government hard at work. That, that uh, was protecting a mouthful. <laughs> but but it, there's like pages here of 401k plan, uh, distribu- distribution considerations, pros and cons of each one. And it, it really maps out for people. It's, it's actually a nice uh, structure for, for going through all of your options. But they've basically legislated away the ability to provide advice and if you do provide advice on 401ks, then you're adopting this fiduciary standard. If you may do anything wrong, uh, they make it very you know, potentially punitive to advisors. Well, that's the opposite of what you want to have happen. You know, people come into us looking for advice, not not just necessarily education, and then say, "Okay, here, make up your own mind." But that's really where we're at. So we're we're allowed to provide a lot of education around 401ks and we have to skirt this issue of of actually providing advice ironically that's it seems not to be the best thing for for clients but uh if you walk through it and you're you understand you know what's the issue with fees what's the uh, issue with investment selection uh what's the tax consequence should i should i roll it should i leave it in the plan? Should I consolidate it into my current employer's plan? These are all options that you've got available to you. But um, you want to take a long, hard look at 401ks, roll over, make make sure you understand everything, pros and cons. And we'll we'll try and get through most of that uh, here in just a bit. But uh, that's, that's what's happening. 
Interesting. So, yeah, like you said, so many different variables to approach and to think about there. So, yeah, you want to go down the pros and cons route a little bit more of, you know, what what, what do you get the benefit when you roll out versus what are you giving up? Yeah, the, the number one thing that I see is is really a lack of any kind of coordinated strategy. People walk in and they lay down these four or five, six different statements they've got. Maybe they got a brokerage account. They've got some mutual fund. They've got a little E-Trade account on the side. I mean, they're truly collectors. And they've stumbled into this collection by accident. You know, it's just, it's what was available. They threw a little money at this, a little money at that. This employer offered this plan, maybe deferred comp on, on top of it. And so people are generally lacking a a coordinated or comprehensive strategy. And so- just to review your your main options, if what you're trying to do is get to a consolidated, simplified, and uh, you know, very orchestrated strategy for retirement, well, the big issues around 401k are to leave your money where it is, right? And you can have all these plans scattered around, and uh, that's going to create issues for distributions, investment strategy. Uh, when you hit 72 and you have to take required minimum distributions. Well, now you have to make sure you satisfy required minimum distributions for all these different accounts. So in my opinion, not the best strategy. So the next strategy would be to transfer all of the exist, all the assets into your current employer plan. And th- there, are, there are times when you want to do this. Uh, if, you, if you've got a good current employer plan that has low cost, decent investment options, the one big issue that you can do with an employer plan, if you need liquidity, is you can take loans against it. And that's something that you can't do in an IRA. So, so be careful when you transfer to IRAs or you know, the, the, the one advantage to the employer plan would be uh, the, the, those loans. The, the next option is roll to an IRA rollover. Keyword rollover. A lot of people have contributory IRAs and you know they've put their you know three, four, five, six thousand dollars a year in there over the years. And they think that the contributory IRA is basically the same thing as the IRA rollover. It is not. That one key word, rollover, is the difference between maintaining those ERISA protections. Again, if you get sued, you get a car accident, you get any kind of bankruptcy. ERISA protects those assets. And everybody was wondering why OJ Simpson was continuing to be seen on expensive golf courses and and things like that after his trials. Well, it was because his pensions were were protected uh, by this ERISA. And uh, that that, that just shows the lengths that these protections go to. And, And so maintaining those is vital if you do roll them to an IRA. Don't just drop them into your contributory plan. Make sure you open a new IRA rollover account. And you you can now open up a whole universe of investment options. You'll have better visibility and and access to different funds that were not part of the previous 401k menu. And you keep those ERISA protections. So that's, that's option number three. And then the final one would be to just take a taxable distribution. You could say, hey, give me my money. It was fun working there for a while. Uh, usually this is not the best option because you're going to take your entire 401k balance and turn it into a, a taxable distribution. So kind of four different directions you can take things in there. But I would imagine like most things as you sort of evaluate which is the best strategy for you, does it 
yes, things might cost you, like paying taxes now, and, and that old conversation of pay me now, pay me later conversation, but really comes down to just what's the best value for a client? How do you typically find the right strategy for somebody? After the education process, and then because we're not giving advice, we're we're just educating and letting the client make their advice or make the decision. You want to make sure that the place that you're going, actually, if it's comparable fee-wise, uh, are you getting good service? Are you getting any additional advice, strategy? Are, are, is someone helping you with tax considerations? How does this intersect with social security claiming, uh, your Medicare supplement premiums? When, when are these different withdrawals going to happen? Mapping out all of those intertwined issues will actually lead you to the best decision. And, you know, I have, I have people that are maybe trying to keep a tax bill low early in retirement. I, had, I just had a conversation the other day with uh, someone who retired early and they said, oh, no, no, I want to keep my income low. I want to leave the money in the IRAs and, uh, you know, wait, wait to draw those out uh, because it was keeping her in a low tax bracket and maybe getting a, a supplement or something like that for, for some insurance. And I said, well, you want to be careful of that because the long-term implication of leaving all of your money into 401k and IRA assets is that you're going to have dramatically larger required minimum distributions down the road. And that window that you have from maybe your early 60s to late 60s, if you have delayed claiming social security. And, and for a lot of people now, the average claiming age is, is 67. And so you've got, you've got a almost delayed, like claiming at 65 is no longer an option. 66, 66 and change. That, that's, that's where uh, social security activation is headed. So again, you've got to look at your late sixties, early seventies, social security kicking in, uh, maybe enhanced social security to delay it. And then required minimum distribution at 75, uh, 72, but it's probably going to 75. These all sound like good things, but it's just, it's creating a, a bubble of distributions and taxable income in these later years. And so while you're, it's, it's fun to not pay taxes for a few years in your sixties, uh, that that's going to compound. And so I, I mapped out, I said, you're, you're looking at saving a few thousand dollars today, but that's going to generate tens of thousands of dollars worth of taxes in the future and highlighting or showing that what the long-term consequence of these are was significantly valuable. It was a good insight. And you, you realize that you can be, was it penny wise, pound foolish? You, you, it's very easy to do in the short term, especially with retirement assets. Fascinating to uh, kind of weigh those pros and cons as we walk through them here, Brian. So is this something that, I don't know, if we think about people like trying to take advantage of this, if you're under 59 and a half, I imagine that limits your options a little bit. Does that take away some of these things? Like you have more options if you are later on in your working years, less options if it's still early? Yeah, th there's there's a number of uh, features. So so let's let's say that uh, you, you've got an employer plan, you've you've built up a significant a balance, or, or you've got a collection of these plans around. And the big decision is whether to consolidate into your current employer's plan or begin rolling assets to some vehicle where you have either better investment options or uh, better cost structure. Well, if you're under 
59 and a half. You need to be real careful about this because 59 and a half is the cutoff where you can begin to take distributions from your retirement accounts without penalty. All right. So if you're over 59 and a half, rolling to an IRA, consolidating to an IRA, well, if you need the money, you can, you can access it. It'll be taxable, but you won't have to pay the 10% penalty for early withdrawals. So the option, if you're under 59 and a half, again, if you need the liquidity, I really don't recommend uh, taking loans from 401ks if you don't have to. Uh, they tend to not get repaid. People delay repaying them. And then if they change employers, a lot of times then those those loans have to be realized as, as income. So you can really get in, in trouble a lot of ways with loans against 401ks. But if you need it, and uh, it, it's a smaller amount, and it's just, it's just a patch for something. 401k loans are your option for 401k liquidity prior to 59 and a half. So, so again, it's just a matter of sitting down and saying, am I going to need this money? Do I have other reserves and assets that I can get at? And if if you do, then you know going ahead and rolling to the IRA rollover you know could make perfect sense. On the other hand, if you know that you want to make this move to IRAs and, and open up these you know, better options. One way that you can get ahead of it is if your employer provides the option for what's called an in-service non-hardship withdrawal. And this, this is something that allows you to go ahead and move assets from an existing employer's plan to an IRA rollover while you're still working. Now, why would you want to do that? Well, again, it's just, just having access to, to better investments or individual stocks or things that you want, want to own that may have better appreciation potential. And there may be no age requirement to follow this strategy, or maybe it's at age 50, or I've even seen it 55, 59, 60, different, different ages like that. Check with your HR department and just say, does our plan allow for an in-service non-hardship withdrawal? And I have some people that set it up where as soon as their contributions go into their 401k, they go in and transfer and move them to their uh, IRA rollover. And then we invest according to our strategy. So that's that's one option if you are serious about getting out of the 401k and into the IRA where you have more control, then uh, in-service non-hardship withdrawal is the way to do it. Very good. So that presents some additional options for folks who haven't reached that 59 and a half age and maybe still earlier in their working careers. seems like no matter where you are on the spectrum, there's pros and cons to making these decisions, but there's also some flexibility uh, throughout all of this for everybody. And uh, obviously, we love hearing that. Is this something that somebody can just call up the employer, set up the rollover, and just kind of knock out on their own? I mean, can this be DIY'd, or do you really need somebody kind of guiding you through all this? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Different plans are have different rules. Different providers have different solutions. Uh, for the longest time, it all took probably a call to the provider, uh, some paperwork. Uh, maybe they would send a check, and you know, it was kind of a long, drawn-out process. The worst one that I've ever seen is with uh, TIAA CREF. Uh, it used to be the college and hospitals and uh, edu- a lot of educational institutions would have TIAA CREF. They would actually limit you on, on depending on which vehicle you were in, to 10 years to draw down your money. 
a lot of people don't realize this. They, they've got a balance over $10,000 in there. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, TIA says, oh, we, you can only access a tenth of that every year for 10 years. So it may take you a decade just to transfer some of these uh, assets that are more, th these are more 403B uh, type assets, which, which is a very similar structure and rules to 401k. But that's where I see the most complexity and the most barriers to getting your money, which is the polar opposite of the in-service non-hardship withdrawal. The in-service non-hardship withdrawal says, go ahead and roll it over you know, and do what you want with it while you're still employed. Uh, on the other hand, it says, oh, you've put this money in there. We're not going to let you have access to it uh, for a decade. And there's some different strategies there. Maybe, maybe you just want to, if that's one small part, uh, maybe you annuitize that and use it as an income stream for a decade, or you slowly uh, migrate that to, to the rollover structure. So, you know, a lot of things to watch out for. Uh, some of the easiest ones actually give you access on the web portal to go in and say, oh, I want to transfer these assets. Here's the account that it's going to, and they, they electronically transfer it. So all, you know, up and down the, the spectrum of complexity to easy, uh, it, it, it's going to depend on the provider, the plan design, how much the employer is wanting to protect or you're trying to limit your getting at those funds uh, versus letting you go ahead and do what you want with them. Helpful perspective, Brian. And I'm curious if we can uh, be self-serving for a moment. I know that I don't even really uh, pump this up very much on the show very often and probably should. You are a certified financial planner. How does that specifically empower you? Uh, I know that that's just um, a great certification, uh, a standard of excellence in the financial planning world. Um, what is it about being a CFP and that enables you to help people specifically through something like this rollover decision as it relates then in context to the whole financial and retirement plan? Well, I'd say the biggest issue is with a registered investment advisor and a certified financial planner, you're getting a double dose of fiduciary. We've decided that fiduciary acting in your client's best interest is a good thing. And it escapes me how these transactional uh, brokerage commission-driven uh, sales are, I, I don't understand the mentality of, of people going out and just selling one specific product or one investment vehicle, again, that has very restrictive investment options and high fees maybe even liquidity problems on the back end. A lot of those have deferred sales charges that last years. Uh, so one that went up to 20 years the other day, it was crazy. So um, those are the uh, definitely the things to watch out for. Well, Brian, before we uh, wrap up this episode, any final thoughts on as, as to roll or not to roll over? But let, me, let me throw out one because a lot of people that maybe they love their employer plan, maybe it's inexpensive. The one reason to roll a 401k to an IRA is if your beneficiaries, particularly your non-spouse beneficiaries, and, and actually I'm, I'm just going to be perfectly clear here. This may not be as big of an issue now that we have the 10-year uh, stretch option, but, but back when the stretch lasted until age 85, employers set up these 401ks for their employees. It's an employee benefit. And there is a cost to the employer to provide the plan and, and to, you know, they pay a per participant fee. And so they just look at that as a cost of, you know, taking care of their employees. They did not get into the business of taking care of the employee's children and providing the accounts and, and maybe de multi-decades long 
participation in those. So back not too terribly long ago, there were a lot of plans that did not allow for a full stretch to non-spouse beneficiaries. Okay, this is getting a little geeky here, but if you're, you know, if you have a wife or husband or something that that inherits it, no problem. But they didn't, they don't extend this benefit to the children, and they may require a non-spouse to roll out in two to five years, maybe, maybe take a lump sum, and so you're going to accelerate the tax bill uh, to non-spouse beneficiaries. A lot of plans did incorporate uh, a, a policy regarding this and, and fix this. Uh, the the 10-year stretch rule that that exists now uh, may not make it as big of a deal, but I, I, I've definitely gone over that in the past with people to, you know, to make sure you're looking at every possible you know, pro and con of this, and that that's still one of them. So follow the rules, you know, be, be mindful of tax consequences. When you do a transfer, do a trustee to trustee transfer, you know, so that the the check is not issued to you individually. You want it issued to your new custodian in the title of the new IRA, and you should have no uh, no real problems there. Very good. If you've got questions about this, or again, the dangers of doing this yourself um, can be pretty apparent. If you you know really absorbed everything from today's episode, you want to make sure you do it right. Want to make sure it fits into your overall financial picture well. And if you want to talk to Brian about how that looks, you can schedule a free 15-minute complimentary call with Brian. Uh, We can see how we get some clarity around your financial goals, talk about these rollover situations that might apply to you, and help you prepare for the future. You can go to livingworth.com and click book a call. Again, livingworth.com and click book a call. Or dial 706-451-9800 to reach out as well. That's 706-451-9800. Brian, are you, uh, you're, you're a pretty tech-savvy uh, person, so I imagine people can meet with you in the office, uh, but also remote meetings and those kinds of things available to people. Yeah, who we can do phone calls and Zoom, and uh, Zoom's great for, for screen sharing and, and, of course, just seeing uh, people's pretty faces. So, yeah, we have all nice. those options available. Perfect. So all that available to you, again, if you want to set that up, 706-451-9800 or livingworth.com and click book a call. Well, Brian, thank you for the help. And uh, as we determine whether to roll or not to roll, that's the question. And I know you, you explore that with almost everybody that comes through your door. Thanks for your guidance. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk again soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Walter. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time right back here on Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.